Welcome to This Week with Sevier, where I'm joined by Nathan Levens, the serial entrepreneur and founder of Waymark, an AI-powered video creation platform serving small businesses and major advertising platforms. We'll be discussing how to use AI to turbocharge video content creation. Get ready for an hour of deep insights with, with uh, Nathan. And as we get from the heart of AI revolution that we are going through right now, everybody's been talking about AI and what it means for the future. Nathan, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Sabir. I'm looking forward to this conversation. I mean, there's a lot going on with AI. Every TikTok, every TikTok, every Instagram reel that you flip through, uh, nine out of 10, somebody's talking about either some sort of an AI tool or they're talking about, uh, you know, uh, they're talking about uh, chat GPT. Like everybody is making money off of chat GPT on TikTok, you know, apparently. I don't know how true that is, but that's what they're claiming at least. So, but before we dive into that, I want the audience to get to know you first, right? Your background, your inspirations, and what, what was the spark that led you to found a Waymark? So tell us your superhero backstory. <laughs> sure. Uh, thank you. Well, you know, as you said, Waymark is an AI-powered video creation platform. And, you know, we really think of it as being part of this emerging third wave of creative technology where, you know, with modern AI tools, it really is becoming possible for anyone to create content. Um, and that's really not been true before. And in all honesty, it really wasn't true of me. Uh, I would say kind of the, you know, the reason that I was attracted to building software to help create video uh, is because going back all the way to kindergarten, you know, the very first thing that I knew I wasn't going to be was an artist. And I've always felt like I have, you know, something to say. And I've always kind of felt like everybody has something to say. Uh, in today's world, video is really, you know, for many practical purposes, including advertising and marketing, which is where Waymark focuses. Video really is the best way to communicate to people. Uh, but it's challenging. You know, it, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of resources. Uh, it takes a lot of skills if you're going to do it yourself. And so bringing advanced software and, and increasingly advanced AI to that problem is a way to dramatically reduce the barriers, dramatically reduce the cost, dramatically reduce the time that it takes and help truly anyone and everyone uh, get started creating video. So, uh, you know, there's a longer history to it, but I think that's kind of my, you know, this was born out of really something that I knew I couldn't do well, but recognized was increasingly important. So... You know, you've been a serial entrepreneur, uh, 10 years, uh, down a decade, right? You're down a decade right now. Uh, you know, in my case, uh, uh, even though I look like a 30-year-old or 25-year-old, I'm not. I'm 50. I just celebrated my 50th birthday. So I've had quite a bit of decade, decades down my belt, right? And as the decades pass by and every experience you have, it, it kind of prepares you for that next thing, right? In, in your case... Uh, what were some of those kind of your milestones in your in your learnings over the past 10 years that prepared you, that got you here? And like the timing is perfect, right? Right now, AI is here, you know? So and, and what got, led, led up to that? Yeah, I'd say a couple things. Um, you know, I've been in the in the few different kind of businesses that I've started. It's often really always been around helping small and local businesses. And, 
you know, that has given me a real understanding of kind of the practical challenges that business owners face, um, how busy they are, you know, how many hats they're wearing. And, you know, obviously that feeds back into the challenge of video being super time consuming, expensive, uh, you know, requiring a lot of skills to make, to make good content. So I think, you know, just having a, a real understanding of small businesses and, and just how quickly something has to work for them to be willing to give it a shot, let alone adopt it, I think is, is really a core insight. One way that I've talked about that for a long time is that I try to build software that you don't have to use. And that has kind of taken a variety of forms over time. One of the first businesses that I started for small businesses was called stick.com. And it was built on top of the Facebook platform in the early days. At that time, you know, things were much more open than they are now in terms of access to data. You could sign in, you know, with a, a single sign on through Facebook to a, to an app, you know, ours was kind of a Facebook app is what, you know, what we called them back in the day. And you could bring with you with just a, a click or two, you could bring with you your whole friends list and a lot of information about your relationships and how you guys are interacting online. And what we saw was like, you know, Facebook, of course, and a lot of social media platforms, especially, you know, as, as they're ramping up the advertising model, really trying to maximize engagement and time on site. And we thought, boy, there's, you know, that's a tough game to play, especially if everybody's playing it, right? Because there's, the, you know, the, the most uh, kind of immutably finite resource that's like hardest to stretch is time. And everybody's competing for more and more and more of it. We tried to take the kind of contrarian position, you know, even going back a decade plus that rather than trying to maximize the time that we would get people to spend on our site, we wanted to maximize the ratio of value delivered to time spent. So in the context of serving small businesses on social media, we recognize that customer client reviews are super powerful, that referrals are typically the way that both the customer and the business really wants to be connected. That's how they want you know, those relationships to begin whenever, wherever possible. Um, and we recognize that social media had a tremendous amount of potential for that, but we tried to approach it in a way that required as little time as possible. So this was kind of pre... We did actually do some AI experiments, you know, even back as far as 2011, 2012, when we were getting started. In all honesty, we didn't have enough data. The AI didn't really work well enough at that time to take a, a meaningfully, you know, AI-driven approach. So instead, we were kind of using algorithms to try to figure out how can we extract as much information from all this data that we were able to get from the social networks and just answer some really simple questions like, who in your network are you closest to, you know, who would be like the best person to vouch for you? You know, who would, uh, you know, who would be the most willing to refer their friends to you based on the strength of their relationship. And so we, you know, concocted a, a bunch of different little uh, algorithms and tricks to try to answer those questions so that when people logged into our app for the first time, they didn't have to recreate, you know, their social graph. They didn't have to go you know, asking themselves like, oh, geez, who should I interact with here? We tried to surface all of that for them immediately. And that was kind of the first example of software that we've created, you know, and, and I, it's, of course, it's not just me, right? It's a, it's a whole team at, at Waymark uh, now that makes the software. But that was really the first example of an approach that was trying to minimize the time or, you know, maximize the value on time. Mm -hmm. And we've kind of continued in, in that vein. You know, another big thing, even before, again, before AI 
really started to turn on and, and become such a powerful tool for us. Another thing that we've done for small businesses is go out and collect all their content from around the web so that they don't have to go collect it themselves and upload it into our site. That's like one of the biggest, you know, most time consuming things that people encounter when they start a new creative tool. And I mean, I've tried so many creative tools. It's amazing how, you know, how basically almost universal as, as far as I know, except for Waymark, this problem is right. You get in there and it's like, all right, now tell us about your brand. And you're like, Oh God, I got to upload a logo. And that's just the start. Now I got to set my color palette. Now I got to, you know, if I want to use any other assets that I have, I got to go track those down. You know, a lot of people are not that organized. So where are those, you know, who knows? Uh, but I got to track them down. I got to upload them into the site. That may take me a you know, that could, take, that could take hours, depending on how disorganized you are. It certainly is going to take, you know, minutes into the tens of minutes. And only then can you really get started using the tool. So that was a, you know, such a failure point and, and something that we just, you know, hated to see people wasting this time on so much. But another big, you know, example of software you don't have to use is what we call our, we used to call our auto-personalize. Um, now that we've added AI tools in there, we're calling that feature Branded. But as a small business owner, what it allows you to do is just tell us who you are. And that means literally like the name of your business, where it's located. We then go out, find that business, find your business online and pull in all of the content that we can find from around the web. So that means like, wow, you have images on your website, you know, we'll pull those in. You have images posted on Facebook or your Google My Business. We'll pull those in as much as we possibly can. Um, you know, you have content that you've written about your business. We'll pull that in and kind of assemble a profile, even down to the colors, you know, the logo off of your website, all of that, we try to snap together to create a profile for you. And with the power of software, that only takes about 15, 20 seconds to go out and grab all that stuff and store it. The upshot of which is you can get started immediately creating stuff as opposed to having to be like, oh God, okay, this looks promising. You know, but now I got to go find all my stuff and, you know, upload it into this sort of thing. Um, so long story with a couple of examples, but um, software you don't have to use. Really trying to maximize the return of value on time has always been, um, you know, kind of a through line of everything that I've tried to create for our By the way, Nathan, customers. It doesn't matter if it's a tiny business, micro business, small business, startup. To all the way to Fortune 50. I work with my clients that span the whole thing, gamut, right? My very first thing when I when they sign a contract with me is create a Dropbox, a box folder, or a Google Drive. Every client knows this now. And then I, I when I when they do that, I create like the folders for marketing, finance, this and that, and assets and all of that stuff. Go like, okay, could you please start putting stuff into these folders? like oh you need them i said no i don't i don't need anything i need you to do it because you need them <laughs> you know so many businesses are not organized and and any kind of tool that actually brings all of that information together especially if if you are collecting um customer testimonials that they have given you over social media not necessarily on bizrate or on your website you know how do you collect all of that and let alone like, and some of, some of my clients even say that, oh, you know, we had it on Facebook. Let me go find it. How do you download that? You know, how do you download it, Sabir? Well, like, don't you have the original somewhere? No. Uh, oh, that Often person. Often not. Yeah. No. That person, Linda, be... that worked for us five years ago, and then we did not part ways amicably. 
she had it on her laptop and she said, screw you. And that's it. She moved on. <laughs> and we don't have it. If there's any way for us to download that, let's let's do that. You know, there's a lot of stories like that. And that's just realities of it, and especially for smaller businesses where they don't think to organize all those things as digital assets of the company. Right. They don't. And, and then and then when someone like me comes in, wants to say, OK, that looks like a great story. Let's repackage it. Uh, to actually sell it in in our in our ads, so we can sell more of your widgets or whatever tomato sauce that you're trying to sell, right? It it just is too much work in that scenario. Even though you have the content, you just don't have it on you, right? And and if the tool helps you to gather all that and just even organizing it by that by itself is tremendous value. I can tell you from my experience. Yeah, that's you know we've even talked at times about productizing that feature because it is kind of, uh, you know, arguably that could be a product un unto itself, right? You know, something where you could just type in a, and we don't, one of the virtues of it too, is we don't need any, you know, sensitive or proprietary information. I mean, businesses in general are, you know, pretty open about like what their phone number is and, you know, what their street address is because they want people to call or visit. Um, but we don't even need that. Typically all we need is a business name and the city in which it's located. And sometimes if it's a online business and there is no like city per se where it's located, then you know a URL or a, a phone number can be super helpful in terms of like supplementing the business name and making sure we identify the business correctly. Uh, but it's really as simple as that. Like it, you just have those very few inputs and the technology you know fans out, does these searches. Um, if we were building it today, it'd probably be a little bit even more AI in there. We actually just have an algorithm that dedupes and and kind of groups all of the different search results because you know big challenge there as you might expect is like you have different listings across different sites which ones represent the same business which are different so there's you know a lot of work has gone into kind of refining that and making sure that the results are accurate and they really are remarkably reliably accurate which is pretty cool so yeah we have talked about productizing that as of now that's only available as part of the waymark video creation experience, but um, you've got me thinking that, uh, you know, hey, maybe we should even revisit that question. Listen, purely as a digital content management, I think it would be phenomenal. Like you can create, and what I, in the absence of that, what I ask my my clients to do is to create a folder structure on uh, one of the shared drives and then give access to those shared uh, folders, depending on the function of, of, uh, of people. Right. Some some things like um, I don't know if Dropbox does it, but Box definitely allows you to create workflows also. So when something gets dropped into a folder, it could actually alert the next person who is supposed to do something with that, mm -hmm. whether it's approval, editing, comments, whatever. It allows you to do those kinds of things. So if your tool does more than that, not at a raw level, but actually a proper workflow, that's that's phenomenal. You know, that could be a product by itself. There we go. We we just gave birth to another idea. Yeah, there. we'll. Uh... To be continued on that front. Yeah. So besides the CMS aspect of it, the um, uh, what does you know what what sets um, Waymark apart from all the other video creation platforms? Yeah, I think probably two big things. Um, one is yeah, I think two big things. One is that we're really taking a natural language first approach to video creation. And that is to say, these days, you know, first thing you do, you tell us your business, we just covered that, right? 
after that, all that content is put in place, then we just give you an, a very simple empty text box and say, okay, what is it that you want to create? And people can type literally anything that they want into that space, right? And with small businesses being such a diverse group, you know, we do kind of increasingly see people typing anything and everything there. So most common use case is still kind of down the fairway, like introduce my business, you know, tell people what I'm all about. Um, you know, many small businesses, like they're just trying to get, you know, that initial introduction to their target customer and, you know, kind of build that initial awareness. So that's still the most common use case, but, you know, we'll see also certain events, you know, like we have a, you know, sidewalk sale coming up in a couple weekends or, you know, whatever that kind of, you know, special time bound promotional activity might be. It might be a new product launch. It could be, you know, a special of a certain kind. It could be a holiday message. It could be, um, you know, increasingly also things that aren't even necessarily purely traditional advertising. Like we have a job posting that we want to get out there and, you know, encourage people to, uh, you know, come and apply for, obviously, you know, that people are struggling to hire in, in many, many, uh, areas today. So that's, that's another use case that's definitely on the rise. So you can really put anything that you want there and then you get to kind of just kick back for like 15, 20 seconds and let the AI take over and do its thing. In that time, we are using multiple different AIs and we can you know unpack and talk a little bit more about the, the components but the overall experience is you give that simple text the AI you know kind of thinks for 15 20 seconds and then we return to you a fully formed video that you can watch and depending on you know we also give you some options to say like are you trying to do something on social media or you know we work with big TV companies as well so maybe you're trying to do a TV campaign whatever the case is you can kind of choose those options um, at the top of the experience as well. But next thing you know, you're going to be watching a fully formed thing featuring your business start to finish attempting to tell your story. Uh, and that gets to the other big thing that, you know, I said two big things. One is this AI experience. The second is we have an awesome creative team that produces top-notch creative that we are then customizing to you. So we're not doing all the graphics and all the kind of polish in real time, that's all been pre-done. And now your content, your identity is being layered on top of all that high-grade video production work. So that what you get actually looks like it belongs on TV or on you know a premier social media platform with the other grade A content that people go there to consume. You're not looking like you, you know, kind of did some sort of DIY uh, project and, and just kind of stitched it together. Now as with any AI tool, uh, you're going to have, you know, a lot of hits. You're going to have a lot of misses. We are definitely in a moment with AI where, you know, the high points are like super inspiring, super exciting, like true wow moments that you're just like, I cannot believe that an AI can do that. And those moments are really, you know, what we live for at, at Waymark. Like that's what gets us, you know, excited about continuing to, to build and advance the product. At the same time, you know, the moment we're in with AI is definitely still also characterized by lots of weird stuff, you know, and, and so we, of course, try to control that and minimize it as much as we can. But I would still say realistically, you know, 20% of the of the videos that come back to people are kind of like, ah, that's that's not really what I had in mind. Um, and so, you know, the, the thing to do there is just 
try again. That's one of the things that I love most about it. Now, Regenerate. Right? Course, <laughs> yeah, we have, of course, the editor. And, you know, if you have something that's like pretty close to what you want, but not quite, you know, then you can go in and make the edits and, and get into kind of DIY mode, right? And, and fine tune the copy and tweak, you know, message here and there. That's all good. Um, but we are, our kind of guidance to our users is like, if you like it, if it's exciting to you, then by all means go in and start to make some of those edits. But if you don't like it, if it's not exciting to you, if you're like, eh, that's not really, you know, what I had in mind, exactly. Just try it again, right? Kind of swipe left, get rid of it. And, you know, maybe try some new instructions or even just try running the same thing again with the same instructions and you'll get something different. So the experience is, is kind of, you know, many things are starting to trend this way, but certainly with Waymark, the experience is becoming more like a consumer experience. It's more like, you know, opening the TikTok app and flipping through things until something catches your eye and you actually want to spend time with it. That same kind of paradigm is now coming to creation of content, not just the, you know, the viewing or consumption of content. So I really get excited about that too, because it's like, again, you know, I know I'm not really an artist. Like I, I can't really create this stuff from scratch. Um, but I can definitely, and, you know, I often joke about, um, this old scene from the Simpsons where Mr. Burns, uh, attends, a an, a an art museum for like a big, you know, event and, you know, the, all this art is unveiled and he says, I'm no art critic, but I know what I hate. And I think that that is, you know, that's something that everybody can kind of relate to, right? Like when you see something, you kind of either know, like it's for you or it's not. Um, and if it's not, you know, what's so magical about the AI is you only had to wait 15 seconds for it and you're only 15 seconds away from the next one. So that iterative kind of, you know, just cycling through stuff until you find something that is exciting enough to you that you really want to spend some more time with it. Um, I think that's, you know, that's a huge part of what I love about Waymark's product today. And I, I think, you know, definitely a trend to watch for in more and more products over the next year or two as well. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I found, because uh, I've been playing with AI uh, my background, by the way, is in computer science. <laughs> so total nerd. Okay. <laughs> so I've known AI and machine learning theoretically, right? Over over the years, for many years now. But recently, the implementations from OpenAI, you know, like the whether it's ChatGPT or the Playground, uh, you have you also have like MidJourney, which is really good with with conceptualizing art, right? What I found is that. Uh, in that example that you were saying that if you don't like it, uh, you can just hit regenerate. What I found, I've become kind of an AI whisperer right now because I figured out like how to actually ask AI to give me what I would like, right? Well, or, or at least give me the idea on the right path is to, when you when it even produces the wrong ideas, you know that it's wrong. You can say that, rewrite rewrite your AI prompt to say, I don't want it to be these five things. Because it just gave you that. Go like, no, don't give me these five things. I don't want it to be that. I don't want the lady to have a blue hat with a with a with a pink or yellow feather. I want her to have I don't know some sort of uh, holes in her hat or something like that. It it just continue the conversation and use it as a build up, and so that you need to paint a, a much more. Uh, you need to, with words. You need to express you express what you're looking for in the AI prompt give it more direction into what you're thinking. It doesn't have to be very explicit direction, but it could be just much more open-ended 
and let it conceptualize what you are thinking. Then you can get quite a lot from, from, the, from the AI. I mean, obviously regenerating it, it's gonna regenerate something similar to what it, what you, what it just generated, right? Whether it's words, photos, or video, but if you, but if you give it, uh, if you enhance your prompt, I think it, it has more input into that process so that when it spits out the results, whether it's your blog article or you know top 10 list or your, your photo or video, it will be much more enhanced and it will be more to your liking exactly what, what if you didn't say for your pizzeria, the fact that you make this summer pizza that has anchovies on it, you never said that, right? It doesn't know anything about that menu item, right? But, it, but if you start saying, oh, our specialty, by the way, from June till September, we make the summer pizza that has anchovies on it and mozzarella. It's incredible, right? And, and, and we want to do a campaign to actually bring more awareness to this special pizza that we want to sell time, limited time only. Then, then you're giving it more context. Then you will get a lot better uh, output out of the AI. What's your thought on that? Yeah, I think I, overall, I think one of the more fascinating things to watch over the last year has been the interplay between these AI advancements and then the kind of community-driven exploration of how to use the newest AIs and how to get the most value from them. So it sounds like you, you and I have both been uh, a part of that exploration on you know probably a couple different fronts. Uh, I have tended to spend a little more of my time on the text models, and we are at Waymark an OpenAI customer, and we use you know our own kind of fine-tuned uh, OpenAI models to power the the video script writing experience. Um, we also use some computer vision models to help figure out which of the user's images should go where, how to complement the script with the right imagery. Um, we also even use use now. Uh, text-to-speech technology as well. Wow. So we're even able to add like a voiceover layer to, you know, say a TV commercial. You're, you really are watching something that is fully produced, you know, up to and including the voiceover. So, yeah, I think that, you know, there's a lot, there is definitely a skill to, and so, you know, in some cases an art to using the AIs. I think that's going to continue to evolve very quickly. You know, for us uh, on a product level, one of the things we're toying around with is even giving people suggestions for what to put in the text box. You know, we've, we've made it so radically easy, right. That you can just type whatever you want, but then still we have people who are like, well, I don't know what I want, or they may have some idea of what they want, <laughs> but they may not have any experience talking to an AI. So we may need to kind of show them like you could do something like this, or you could do something like that. Um, so we're, we're working on, you know, that kind of, like hint or, you know, top, very much top of funnel kind of suggestions or recommendations. Yeah. Then start. another angle too is like, you know, instead of regenerating, we don't actually have this yet, but this is also something that's, you know, that's in development is the ability to iterate successively on what has been created. So, you know, one, one angle would just be like, okay, start over. I don't like that. Do it all again from scratch. But another angle would be like, well, you know, that's better than, starting from scratch maybe, but I have some feedback, right? And this is how you would work with a person, right? Or if you were to hire an agency to hire you to, to make you a video, right? If they were to show you a rough cut or if they were to show you a storyboard, you probably wouldn't be like, I mean, occasionally sometimes, but you know, hopefully you're not gonna be like, that's all terrible, scrap it all and start totally over. 
Instead, you would give qualitative feedback. That's like, here's what I like about that. Here's what I don't like about that. And, you know, you'd get another version, which would hopefully be a lot closer to, you know, the, the, the sort of vision you have in mind, even if it's like a very vague vision. So bringing that to AI, I think, is also very doable and, you know, something we're working on. Like the hope would be to say, you know, I like that, but in the middle, can you actually mention my, you know, just to follow on with your example, can you actually mention my special summer special anchovy pizza, you know, in the middle of the video? And, you know, just with that level of natural language instruction, the system should be able to look at what exists, look at your instructions, and then come back with a modified version that kind of keeps what you did like, but also changes in the way, you know, that you, that you ask for. And there's a lot of paradigms like this. I think it's very much still emerging. In art, for example, you have the negative keyword, which can be really powerful. Um, you know, you may ask for something and you keep getting... Um, you know, whatever, I'm, what's a good example? Um, whatever, I keep building on your, on your example, right? Let's say you uh, ask for pizza, but you're constantly getting pepperoni, but you don't want pepperoni. You don't, you know, your restaurant doesn't serve pepperoni or whatever, right? You want the anchovy thing instead. So you might have to put pepperoni in there as a negative keyword because pepperoni is so generally tightly correlated with pizza that just keeps coming back. These negative keywords now allow you to say, you know, cut that entirely, right? Go, I still want pizza, but I need a different direction within the general space of pizza. So that can be really powerful. Increasing with the image things too, Stable Diffusion has done some really cool stuff with image to image. And Midjourney does also, but I think for my money, I would say Stable Diffusion right now has the best image to image technology out there. Um, image to image can take a couple forms. It can be like, here's my image and you kind of, abstract away from it and then use it as a very rough guide to create something new. And then they also now have something that they call uh, the depth, I believe it's depth to image or something along those lines where the composition, the, the structure of the shapes of the image are held totally constant, but a, an entirely new, you know, kind of coat of paint is put over the top so that you get something that, you know, in composition is exactly what you provided, but in content, you know, can be really quite different. And that can also have some really magical impacts. Um, in text, you know, honestly, sometimes I've also found, you know, I'm sure you're familiar with the old, uh, it's almost like a, a joke thought experiment, like don't think about the white, I don't know if it's elephant or rhino, don't think about the white rhino, right? And then your challenge is now don't do that. Uh, and people find it really hard. Like the power of suggestion is, is tough. Like now that you've put that in my head, like I can't stop thinking about it. Right. Well, the, I've also it's a, found it's a pink, it's a pink elephant. Uh, it's it's uh, balancing on top of a small yellow ball. There you go. Gotcha. It's in your head. It's not going to get yeah, out. Now I'm, I'm stuck <laughs> on it, but the AIs kind of sometimes behave similarly. Um, you know, the latest models chat GBT and the latest from open AI um, and, you know, the, the Claude from Anthropic, which will be debuting soon, um, you know, seems to be kind of similar in this regard. Like they've all been trained to follow instructions. And so you can get incredibly far by just telling them what you want in straight, you know, naive, earnest, natural language. And that, that's amazing. Sometimes, though, they do have that problem where the, the mentioning of something can actually lead it to happen more than... You know, even if you said like, do not use this, that can sometimes kind of backfire. 
So I would try it. You know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. These things are kind of, you know, unwieldy technologies still. Um, but just for what it's worth, if you are having a problem there where you kind of said, don't do this, and it kind of keeps doing it, it might also be productive to flip that around sometimes and say, Maybe. what would be the positive version of what I do want it to do instead of what I'm trying to tell it not to do, right? So instead of saying, do not uh, put pizza in the script or do not it put pepperoni like I'm, I'm, you know, in the it script. It feels like sometimes like I'm talking to a child. You have to use like negative psychology <laughs> to... <laughs> To, to give it a positive reinforcement and not a negative thing, you know, in order to get the right response out of it. Yeah. I mean, it's all, it's all very associative. So the more you can kind of, you know, have it associate relative to things that you actually, you know, wanted to be thinking about, that's, that's really good. And yeah, I think your, your comment is, is pretty apt. I've often said, I'm, I don't think I'm the first or only to say it, but having these AIs is kind of like having infinite, like freshmen in college interns where you, you know, they're, they're pretty smart, <laughs> they're pretty capable, um, but they need very clear instructions. They need context. Um, and that can, context can mean, you know, a lot of things. Mm -hmm. um, and it often really helps too, to give them a couple examples of what good work looks like. So that's kind of, you know, if you wanted to boil, people talk a lot these days about prompt engineering, you know, which is like, how do I construct a good, prompt or input, you know, in order to get good output back from AI, especially for the language models, you know, I would say those, those three are kind of um, very good guidelines. Think of it like a college intern and just remember that you have to provide very clear instructions, any context, because they don't necessarily know. And a couple of examples of what good work looks like, then you'll really start to get, you know, pretty valuable work from, uh, from these AIs. They'll still make mistakes. You know, they'll still kind of be wrong from time to time. Their research, you know, they're, they're not doing research, right? They, they just remember everything and sometimes they make stuff up. Um, but, you know, much like a college intern, like the research is not, you know, going to be flawless. You can't necessarily trust everything that it gives you. But if you do follow those best practices, you know, increasingly you can get a lot of good work out of these systems. It's pretty amazing. You know, it's funny that uh, I own almost every type of voice assistant you can imagine, right? I don't want to say it because it's around me and it's going to pick up and get activated right now. You know, you know which ones I'm talking about. Uh, yeah, and I, I've, I'm, I've spoken to all I, of them as well. You know, so when I when I bought them, it's uh, it's phenomenal, right? It gives you feed. You know, it doesn't give you feedback. You can just ask it something like, "How's the weather? Play this music. Uh, you know, when is my next appointment? Do this. Put this on my to do list. It's good, right?" But after being exposed to AI through OpenAI or Midjourney or any of these tools, go like, why is that not in here? Like, I, if I want to have a conversation well, with this voice assistant, uh, so that I can it can engage with me like a human being, I can I can modify my thought and then I can get I can get it to where I want it to go, right? And have a com fluid conversation, not very transactional, right? How is the weather? Seventy-five degrees, rainy, snowy, whatever, right? It's not, it's not really giving you any kind of uh, that AI feedback. And I think that that's that evolution. I, I can't wait for it to be there from, cause I already own the devices. I hope that there's a software update that includes that in there, you know, so that, so that I, I can find it even more useful having been exposed to things like chat GPT and playground and uh, mid journey. You, you, you mentioned a few also, right? I, I think we're there. We just need these devices to catch up now, you know? Yeah, totally. I think it will happen, you know, probably 
I, I always tend to be a little bit optimistic in terms of my timelines. So, you know, try to keep that in mind. Um, but it's hard to imagine. And, you know, we've recently just heard news out of, for example, Google, where they're supposedly code red, whatever that means. And they're going to, you know, recalibrate how willing they are to take certain risks because ChatGPT is out there and, you know, people are starting to use it instead of search in, in a lot of instances. So I do think, and, and Google in particular has, you know, they have the goods. Like I, I follow the research as well as the available products pretty closely. And, you know, it's, it's impossible to say down to a very precise level, but it seems pretty clear from the published research that Google has put out there that they are hitting on essentially the same level as OpenAI. Um, from like a raw capability standpoint, at least they are probably behind in terms of productizing and sanding down rough edges and, you know, identifying and kind of controlling all the failure cases and, you know, all the oddities. I think OpenAI probably has a significant edge there still. Um, but, you know, in terms of just having AIs that are amazingly smart and kind of can really take you back with, with what they can do, it is pretty clear that Google is right there with the likes of OpenAI. And so, yeah, I do think it should be happening pretty soon that the Google assistant, you know, and then uh, along with those, you know, I've got one in uh, the room too, so I won't say the other name. Um, <laughs> but yeah, th those things should start to turn on um, in a pretty interesting way sooner rather than later. And it's interesting to think of why they haven't, especially in Google's case, because they do have the goods, you know, it's, it's some sort of combination of, I think one thing also that, you know, maybe before the people, the, the common ones people talk about, right? Oh, they're too conservative. They're too risk averse. You know, they've got all these corporate politics or they've got innovators dilemma and they can't, you know, get out of their own way because they're making so much money in search and blah, blah, blah. All that stuff I think probably is true. The biggest thing that I would emphasize though is the pace of AI progress is such, and, and I've also really been amazed by how quickly people adapt to the latest kind of level of performance, including myself. You know, you look back at the beginning of this year, things that I used to have to work really hard to get an open AI model to do now they can just do, you know, just by asking, <laughs> just ask nicely and it will do it. Right. So that's all happened within literally a year. When I say beginning of this year, I mean, I guess beginning of last year. So a year ago now, um, the pace of progress is such that if you only had the best stuff from a year ago, you really wouldn't have been able to make that awesome of a voice assistant. You know, you could be better than what Google Assistant has, right? But not to the level where it's like, oh my God, this is a life-changing leap forward. That stuff has really only started to emerge and started to hit the public second half or even like fourth quarter of 2022. So, you know, it also just hasn't been that much time for them to have a technology that really is at the level where it's like, how can you not be deploying this? I think... That's something people don't quite understand, especially it's those that are very new to AI and they're just seeing the latest. It's like, well, why haven't they deployed it? Well, it only it's only existed, you know, for a few months now. So it will come. I would be very, yeah, very the, surprised the, the, if it's, it's not also here the soon. adoption cycle, right? It takes time for people to adapt to. I mean, it, if you remember when voice came out, right? Voice assistance came out. There was a lot of ethical discussions and there were a lot of other types of discussions, right? Around voice, who's listening? Is Jeff Bezos listening to everything I'm saying? You know, is Steve Jobs listening through his Siri? You know, so th that was always a, a, a question that comes up. Now, if you do a voice plus AI, 
you will freak the whole humanity out, you know, because that's too much progress. Can it be done? The answer is the, the answer to a can question is always yes, because it's a technical ability. You can do it. Should you do it is an ethical question and a moral question. And and is is the population ready? Do you know when when population became ready for remote work and 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 become you know uh, more accustomed to doing Zoom meetings and FaceTime and stuff? We had to be hit with a pandemic in order for us to be ready for that, right? And then now every grandma knows how to do a FaceTime with her grandkids. You know, it's it's second nature on iPad. Just go boom, press it. You see them face to face. No need for phone calls and audio calls, right? You can just see them and do that. How long did that technology exist before that? For more than 10 years. And, and you know, I think it's just a consumer adoption of some of these things. I think they need to get there. I mean, the algorithms need to improve and all those kinds of things. That's progress. And the early adopters and technologists and other people who are actually building this infrastructure, we are building it right now, you and I, right? We're, we're building it. And once we get get it to that level, then when, when the consumers show up, then they, they see it as, oh, wow, this is great. I don't have to think about it. Oh, QR code? QR code had existed for 20 years. You know, Some people were using it, but nobody clicked it. Nobody did the QR code thing. When, when it became a regular thing, when every restaurant put it on, on the menu, that there was no more menu because of no touch, whatever, because of COVID, uh, you had to scan the thing. So I think it's just the adoption cycle, I think, getting there. And, and getting the technology there. I mean, being first is obviously a thing. So ChatGPT was there and, and it has gotten so much traction in PR that uh, in fact, IBM and uh, IBM has been at it longer than even Google has, you know, with, with AI and, and machine learning and stuff like that, you know? So it, it's just that I think uh, it's just what gets adopted and what people find it easy to use and, and that's why, it, uh, you know, I think ChatGPT has become a threat to Google, in my opinion, uh, from from us because you're not searching anymore. You're getting answers, right? You're not searching and getting millions of listings ranked because of ads and organic listings and SEO and all those kinds of things. And then you have to click into each one of them. Uh, I, I was actually reading something about uh, SEO optimization of medical terms, right? It's not that the term that you searched for came up first, uh, not, not because that's your solution, it's because the SEO on it is really good, right? The SEO of that disease is very high ranking, not the fact that that's the right answer, right? So I think, I think that's, the, that's why I think it has become uh, a, a serious threat. Going into, I would love to, in this part of it, I would love to for you to share some case studies from Waymark where you know video creation you know solid examples like with uh if you cannot name the clients that's fine uh just the industry and if you know what they are what category they are and, and how uh, they utilize waymark uh to really create interesting content if you could go through some of those examples yeah sure i think um you know probably the biggest and best examples are our partnerships with some big tv companies so we have two that are, you know, publicly customers of, of record. One is Spectrum Reach, which is the advertising division of Spectrum Cable. So that's one of the, you know, wow. very biggest cable uh, platforms in the country. And the other is Gray TV, which is 
one of the very biggest broadcast TV uh, owners and operators in the country. And they have um, well over a hundred uh, local broadcast stations in different you know cities all over the place. So, you know, both of these companies have huge footprints, you know, they have um, massive, you know, airtime that they are selling. That's obviously a significant part of how they make money, right? Is to sell the advertising on their, um, on their networks and, and, and on their local stations. And, you know, it's been hard for them to scale their business in the same way that the social advertising platforms have been able to scale business. And one of the biggest reasons for that has been the difficulty in creating suitable content for the advertising. So to just, you know, to contrast against like Facebook, for example, if you make a post on a Facebook page, then before you know it, you're going to get offered the opportunity to boost that post. And it could just be a little text that you entered. It could be, you know, an image that you, that you posted. Um, it could be a video, but most of the time, you know, people are just doing images and, and text and that's enough for you to be activated as an advertiser on the Facebook platform. Um, and that's, you know, a huge part of the reason that Facebook has reached, I think, 7 million quarterly active advertisers globally. Meanwhile, if you are doing TV advertising, it is a much higher bar in terms of content and a much narrower um, space of possibility, right? You have exactly 30 seconds or exactly 15 seconds. Uh, but when I say exactly, I mean to the number of frames. If you don't have 900 frames, that's 30 frames a second times 30 seconds in your commercial, it will just straight up not be able to air. You know, you could send something in that's one frame short and the quality control system will be like, sorry, ding, we can't use this, right? So now you're back to fig figuring out what went wrong and, and trying to fix it. So the cost of creating, you know, the, the difficulty of creating content has been such that it's, it's been hard for truly small businesses to get over that hump and, and get active on TV. Um, both of the, the customers that I mentioned do provide some creative services to their clients, uh, but typically they have to charge for it, you know, cause it's, it is a, as always right time consuming and expensive. Um, and, you know, it also, it, there's also just like the time delay, right? If I have a sale next weekend and I call my, you know, rep at Spectrum or at Gray and I say, hey, can you like come out here and shoot something for me in time for that? They're probably going to say, eh, probably not. You know, at this point, like time's too short. Right? We, we probably can't schedule that plus edit it plus all that to get it on the air. And then still you need time to be on the air in anticipation of whatever it is you're promoting, right? So there's just a big time lag there that that often, you know, interferes with them um, getting campaigns up and running like they'd like to as well. So Waymark has been a huge difference maker for these companies. And, you know, I think the, the phrase transformational gets thrown around a little loosely. I would say we are, you know, helping them begin to transform the way they do business. And it's still very much a, a work in progress. But today... Because you can identify a business just by name and location, import all that content, you know, create a business profile within our system in just a few seconds, and then say what you want, you know, introduce this business or whatever, and then get a, a fully formed commercial that is guaranteed 
to conform to the requirements, right? It's guaranteed to be 30 seconds. It's guaranteed to be exactly the right shape. It's guaranteed to have sound at the right levels. All these little details that people don't know um, certainly have a hard time, you know, conforming to because all of that is kind of guaranteed to be built in. Now, if you are a big media platform and you're trying to help local businesses get active as Sorry, I think we yeah. had a little lag there for a second. Um, you're trying to help them get active as advertisers. You can show up with commercials. You can show up with one. You can show up with three commercials. So you're, a, you know, if you're a sales rep, uh, you know, having that first meeting, you can show up and say, "Here's what you could look like." I took the liberty of going ahead and creating these for you. Let's watch a few candidate commercials that I made for you. And now the, the business owner or the marketer at the business, whatever, right? They may not, much like we talked about earlier, right? Are they going to say, that's exactly what I want? You know, here's the check and go. Probably not. <laughs> Most of the time, I would say, you know, well into the 90s, you know, percentage uh, of the time, people are going to have some changes. But as we talked about also, we can make that really easy as well. Either, you know, getting into that iterative cycle of just asking for your changes in natural language or, you know, going in and actually using the editor and making them directly. Um, but it takes a tremendous amount of time out. It inspires people. You know, they, there was an old saying in, in local media sales, the creative makes the sale. And that, you know, they used to talk about that in the, even in the newspaper days, right? When people could see themselves on the newspaper, in newsprint, you know, then that was like inspiring. That felt like that's substantial. That means something that's, you know, in a way that's making it, that shows that I exist. You know, there's all these kind of feelings that come along with that. That has not really been something that TV companies have been able to take advantage of for a long time because the creative may make the sale, but if it's so expensive, then you can't really afford to use it to make the sale. So Waymark is changing that in a pretty significant way and kind of inverting and you know this we also work with a lot of smaller agencies that also serve small business and again kind of can can flip the way that things have always kind of gone you mentioned like first thing you have people do is like upload all this stuff into folders and get everything organized you know that makes sense but boy it's a lot nicer if that can sort of happen semi-automatically or if we can have a conversation that starts with Here's something I made for you. Like I'm adding value as the first thing, right? I'm trying to inspire you. I'm bringing like real thought to this uh, conversation from the very get-go. It can kind of invert the typical, you know, marketing engagement sales funnel and turn it into something where, you know, somebody has that first meeting experience of seeing themselves on the big screen. And it's like, boy, that's really exciting, right? That, that gets me inspired to, even if it's not perfect, right? That gets me inspired to think about really investing in this channel. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're helping these businesses grow their advertiser base, pick up more opportunities, um, and ultimately grow revenue. I mean, obviously that's, you know, the, the top line uh, goal and the, the creative we're finding can be a facilitator to that as opposed to what it, you know, historically has been, which is more often a blocker uh, to realizing those business goals. I mean, one one I mean, one thing that I can think of, like Waymark, could be very beneficial for agencies, especially that do pitches. You know, pitches for for different uh, RFPs and stuff like that. Uh, what if it's not not just a script? You actually take it and you turn it in using Waymark. You turn it into a an, an idea that you can see that oh, you know what, this is interesting. You know, 
I can play with this. It's a rough idea. It's a pitch because you didn't do full production yet. You can pull that as closely to the pitch as possible. And then you share it with the client and say, look, this is what we are thinking, right? These are the words. And this is, these are the kind of imagery and stuff. Instead of just showing them a scrapbook, right? Or just talking them through it, you're actually visualizing it and actually showing them, this is what we mean. And I think the AI tool could be that assistant before you, and when you sell the idea, and then you can come go back and do your production. And, and it could assist in that process too, because that's that happens 24 seven every day, you know? Yeah, that, and that's a key point too. The It, it is not the case that, well, phrase it the other way. It is often the case that, especially with the agencies that use Waymark, that they will still end up doing a full production, and that may involve you know totally different tools from Waymark in 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 some number of cases. So you know that's totally fine with us um, if we're able to help get the conversation going. You know how many times, and anybody who's done you know deep production creative work for clients has had this experience where it's like, I thought we were on the same page, you know, but now that I've gone and done all this stuff, I'm realizing we were kind of talking past each other in the earlier meeting, you know, and I took my marching orders from that. And now you're not really liking what I've got. And I'm feeling like, oh God, I wasted a ton of time. And that's where, you know, these creative projects just get bogged down and people get unhappy. And, you know, that's, that's a real pain point. So, Another big benefit of having something that you can create in you know 15 seconds with AI is that it makes the conversation very concrete. And you know, again, like the Mr. Burns thing, right? I'm no art critic, but I know what I hate. Like that's most small business owners. They will let you know. I like it. I hate it. You know, I like this part of it. I hate that part of it. But you're getting very concrete feedback on something that is actual video. It's not just words flying back and forth you're getting a real reaction to something. So even if you do end up, you know, doing a, a full scale production and do it all from scratch, um, you know, and using either, you know, the creative one, you know, generation tools and getting deep into Adobe and doing it all that way, um, or using some of the other AI tools that are out there that kind of help with more, you know, bespoke production relative to Waymark. You know, there's a lot of ways ultimately to, to get to the goal, but Waymark is all about helping people get to the goal faster and, you know, having something concrete <laughs> to react to for clients is extremely, extremely valuable in that process. So from your, I mean, you've, you've been in this journey now and day in, day out, this is what you do. What, what are the potential risks of AI video creation? Well, boy, I think a lot about the risks of AI in general. Um, and, you know, I think when, honestly, I think, I'm really of two minds. Uh, I probably have sounded like a total AI enthusiast in this conversation, and I am very enthusiastic about the potential for AI to, you know, really even bring in like a post-scarcity, you know, uh, abundance uh, era for humanity. Like I think the the access to expertise. Um, Google recently published a paper on a, a model called MedPalm, which is a medical. Uh, model that is getting quite close, not there yet, but quite close to human level doctor performance. So it's it's conceivable that in the next few years, you know, we could be looking at a reality where if my kid gets sick in the middle of the night, 
I don't have to page the doctor and wait or go to the emergency room or, you know, be unsure about what I should do. I'm going to have high quality, natural language, medical advice available 24 seven. And it's probably going to cost me under a dollar to have like a full robust consultation with an AI uh, medical advisor. That is awesome. You know, and, and that's obviously that's bigger even than video creation as much as I love what we're doing at, at Waymark. So I think the, the upside potential of AI is, you know, it, it really is incredible. At the same time, I do think the risks are equally uh, significant and definitely should not be taken for granted. And those kind of, you know, run a, a full spectrum from things that are already happening today, like AI's reflecting societal biases and, you know, unfairness of all kinds back at us and kind of perpetuating them. I think that is a very real problem. Um, increasingly, you know, AI is just being wrong or like making stuff up and kind of polluting the information space, either intentionally or unintentionally. I think that is also um, increasingly a concern. In the medium term, I think intentional misuse is going to be a real challenge. You know, the modern models now are trained with reinforcement learning which means that ultimately they get some sort of signal from what they've done as to whether it was successful or not. And they learn from that signal. You can imagine scammer bots, you know, or, um, you know, folks trying to take advantage of grandparents, but they're doing that today all the time. But imagine an AI optimized by thousands and thousands of iterations, many of them failed, you know, but a few that succeed and, and learning from what, what works and what doesn't to become like literally superhuman scammers. I think we'll see that within the next two years, almost for sure. Like, I don't know how we avoid crime. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And then, you know, the biggest picture is that like, you know, I don't, and people, you know, are sometimes too quick, I think to dismiss this as like science fiction, but some of the smartest people that I know worry about outright AI takeover, you know, either gradually or suddenly gradually would kind of look like, you know, these systems kind of end up running more and more until such time that like we kind of realize, hey, they're kind of running everything and we're not really doing that much anymore. And, you know, we don't really know how they work. They're kind of all talking to each other and we're kind of out of the loop or a more sudden version, you know, could be extremely dramatic and, you know, and, and totally catastrophic. So I think that whole range of things is really out there. And in, in all the, you know, kind of communication that I do, I try to emphasize the, you know, both the phenomenal potential and also the very real and like very substantial risks. One of the things I do like about Waymark is that like, it's really fun to play with and it makes it really easy to make videos. And our software is structured enough that it's pretty hard to go too far wrong. Like the downside with our platform as of now is pretty limited. Um, But, you know, in the broader world, I think, I think really everything is on the table. I think we really are at a historical technology moment that, you know, we're going to look back on assuming, you know, things go at least somewhat well and we're all, you know, kind of able to look back and, and reflect on this period. I do think we'll be looking back on it as a very critical time in which a lot of things changed and, you know, hopefully that will be dramatically for the better, but I certainly don't want to be somebody who dismisses the downside or gives people, uh, you know, a false sense of security because, uh, I do really think everything is on the table. So Nathan, you have shared a tremendous amount of knowledge here related to AI, video production, I mean, video creation and AI-based. 
what is your number one hundred thousand dollar expert insight into AI video uh, creation uh, that you would like to, uh, like every entrepreneur and marketer to know? Well, I think even you know it's video and kind of all of these creative things. I would say the biggest thing right now is just get into it. You know, I, I think go actually play with Chat GPT, like. I'm in the world where everybody I know is using chat GPT, but I'm still very conscious of the fact that it's like less than 1% of the population, you know, that is like actively doing it. And, you know, similarly with Waymark and video, like if you're into creating video, you owe it to yourself to try these next generation experiences. Even if you're, you know, somebody that has years of experience using, you know, far more powerful, far more, you know, customizable tools, you really owe it to yourself to get a look at what the future is going to bring. Um, it's not all mature, you know, and I, I, I'm on a, I sign up for a ton of newsletters that bring me the, you know, the latest AI product every day. I think most of them won't be here a year from now. So it's not to, it's not about getting caught up in what happened today and what's the very latest thing, but it is about making sure that you are starting to acclimate yourself to a new paradigm for creating video and all sorts of content. Um, because from where I'm sitting, it seems, you know, entirely clear and essentially, you know, totally unavoidable that this is going to become the norm. And, you know, the sooner that people can start to wrap their heads around it, the sooner that they can start to incorporate it, the sooner they can start to adapt to it, I think the better off we'll all be. So bottom line, I would say is just get in there, you know, go to waymark.com and uh, make a couple videos, go to ChatGPT and have a couple conversations. Uh, don't dismiss it. G actually get in there and really spend some time with it uh, and start to start to figure out, you know, what it's going to mean for your personal future as well as society's collective future. Uh, well said, uh, Nathan. I mean, definitely, I, I think with any of these uh, kind of tools, this is what, what I said earlier about the voice assistants. You know, when it came out, I bought almost every voice assistant to play with it, to learn from it, uh, understand the nuances and stuff. With AI, there's a lot that has gone into it right now, especially for the ones that bubble up to the top, you know, like well, Waymark and ChatGPT and uh, whatever Google is going to come up with. I'm sure that a Apple is not going to be that far behind. Amazon, IBM, all of these things, all of these guys will have the because they see the consumer adoption of these technologies. So definitely play, play, play. And, and if you're a professional in this field, definitely play harder, you know, because this is where where it's going, you know, uh, you, you know, one of the things that I, Nathan, I, I heard is uh, I'm going to leave you with this thought that it's not that it's going to replace people. It, what it's going to do is it's going to replace the person. The person who's going to replace you would be the person who knows how to use AI in order to make their jobs easier and 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 to produce the the highest quality uh, work product, whatever that is, you know, uh, going forward. So I, I want to thank you again, and Nathan, for being on the show and, and dropping all this knowledge for with us. My pleasure, Sabir. It's been really fun. All right. And thank you, audience, for tuning in again. And we have amazing, more amazing guests coming up. Uh, like Nathan, we're going to be taking deep dives into a lot of these interesting topics uh, this year. Uh, that's, that's the highest topics. And, and please uh, engage in the comments and let us know uh, if you want to see other guests on the show. So pitch us those ideas too. And again, thank you to the audience and thank you, Nathan, for being on the show. Thank you.